Leroy Buster Silva. What's your revolution? My revolution is wellness. How does it all connect to the, all the things that we do? How does it connect to you know, businesses? How does it connect to our own personal wellness? But also to how does our wellness determine what type of dad I'm going to be? How does our wellness de- determine what type of husband we're going to be? How does it determine our passions, our relationships, and our future? So that's where, what my revolution is. And also, too, if we're not well within ourselves, if we're not healthy, well, how can we, how can we live? How can we provide? How can we protect? How can we you know, do all these things that we want uh, without our health and our wellness? So, so again, that's, that's my passion. And that's what I work towards with the youth and intergenerational um, you know, approach to you know, creating better better places for people to focus on their health and wellness. So that is my revolution. That is my revolution. That is my revolution. Can I have your attention for a moment? What's good, Revolution? Welcome to the What's the Revolution show. A show for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how men can find and embrace the revolution within themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corporu. What's, What's good, good revolutionaries? As I ask you each week, how are you? I'm hoping that you are well, that your families are well. And as our friend Lester Hope says, I hope that you are taking care of yourself and others. And that's, that's what this time is about as we open our doors, as we find ourselves in community without masks, right? as we think about seeing someone smile, being able to have laughter and joy that has been taken away from us for 14 months because of this deleterious virus. Our doors and our windows and our life are opening up. And I just want to give a shout out to my friends at Gather. You know, the ability to laugh, you know, to find joy, to find, you know, conversations that open up because we don't have to have that mask on for those that have been vaccinated. The ability to have concrete conversations, sometimes even tough conversations. My good friend Dan Warhide was in town and we were able to sit around the table and that's where we need to be in this country. We need to be able to sit around the table and have discourse and dialogue about things that sometimes we may not agree on, but we can find ourselves sitting at the table maybe with a bottle of wine or uh, whatever your choice of uh, drink or food may be. And to find opportunities to come together, as I've been saying, revolutionaries, we've been waiting and the discourse in our country, right, has been divisive. We've been on one side or the other, but I'm asking you revolutionaries to find time and space to come together because our country needs us. The world needs us to find opportunities to come together. We don't have to always be in the same camp. I'm not saying that. I'm finding ways to have conversation, collegial conversation, because you may learn something about your partners, about your friends, about your colleagues that you didn't know. They may be able to teach you something, right? Be open-minded revolutionaries. Open your hearts. Open your minds. And continue, continue to go out as we open up and see your people, see your families, open your doors up to people that you may not have known before, because that's what we've done over the last 14 months is that we've closed our doors. We said you couldn't come in, open your doors up revolutionaries. And I'm always grateful for, you know, the experiences of meeting new people and spending time and space with Friends that I've never met, right? People always say, Corporate, you've, you know, you are friendly with everybody. You've never met anybody that you haven't made a friendship with, excuse me. And I met this brother a couple months ago based on a conversation with my mentor, my good friend, my love, Natalie Burke, who I know Leroy is also, you know, a, a stalwart, a beacon in your life. And she said, you know what, Charles, I need you to meet this brother who's doing amazing things out in New Mexico. And I didn't even know the lineage, revolutionaries, that this brother is a cultural health leader, but he is also a WKK community leader fellow. And as you know, you know, one of the greatest moments of my life, 2014 to 2017, was being a part of the Kellogg Fellowship. Shout out to my cohort in New Orleans. I love you. I love you. I love you. And I miss you. And I know that you are doing great work in our beloved New Orleans, but 
I got a chance to be a part and to see this great work that Leroy Buster Silver is doing in New Mexico. And Natalie was like, you've got to invite this brother on the show. So welcome to the show, my new my new friend, my new friend, my Kellogg fellow uh, alumni, all all of that. Unfortunately, I don't know. We'll have to talk about it in a second. Did you all even get to finish finish your work with them? You know? No, we did it. Oh, well, first of all, you know, thank you, Dr. Kopru, for having me. I've, I've been watching your uh, your shows and definitely some inspirational people that come on your show. But to get to, get to your question, um, we had a virtual uh, graduation, but and then we got it. Um, we're having it uh, next in a few months, uh, but we get to uh, they extended our stay with the uh, Kellogg uh, Fellowship. So we're very happy about that. Unfortunately, no traveling this time, but uh, we're going to do it uh, virtually again. So. Right. Right. No. And shout out to the Kellogg Foundation for all the amazing work that they're doing around creating opportunities for uh, BIPOC folks around the country and really thinking about great leaders like yourself, Leroy, who are saying that we need to make sure that our communities are safe, they're livable, that they have the ability to create wealth, that our families have the ability to have the education that they need to thrive. And so I I want to just thank all the folks at Kellogg. Because I will look back when I'm 85, 90 years old, if the good Lord gets me there, and say, what are some of those seminal moments in my life? Leroy, being a Kellogg Fellow was one of those moments. And being immersed in some of the greatest minds in New Orleans, right? The greatest minds that I have ever met. And to be a part of their programming, to be a part of their spirits uplifted me. It made me a better person. It made me a better man. Uh, It pushed me out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So I'm tremendously grateful. Leroy, you know, my revolution is, you know, they see you and they see that uh, New Mexico United shirt, you know, and I am I am a big, big soccer fan is what we call it here in the States, but a big football fan. You know, you know, tell us about why you're repping that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for for recognizing that. You see my my capes in the back. Um, so, yeah, 2019 was inaugural year for uh, New Mexico United. So um, I was telling Dr. Kapru that earlier that uh, we uh, I never watched soccer before. I never was a fan of soccer just because I, I come from, my passion was basketball. You kind of try to crank up as many points as you can. So soccer is like, oh, they only scored one point and everybody's going crazy. So it took 2019. We built a partnership. I'm the community coordinator at the MB3 Foundation and we built a partnership with the New Mexico United. So I went in, um, asked them through this partnership is like, hey, let's create something together. So we came together in regard to, you know, how can we represent uh, uh, indigenous youth in Albuquerque in New Mexico? So we came up with this idea of uh, doing a flag run. So the flag run starts at the very uh, start of the game. So we're able to do an acknowledgement, um, Latin acknowledgement, but also to acknowledge the fans, send them positive vibes throughout the, uh, you know, everybody in attendance so the players can play to the best of their ability. And that's, uh, you know, we just send positive vibes out. So that's how it started. And um, just last year, they came up with a, um, they founded their uh, Somos Unidos Foundation mm-hmm. and they uh, wanted to do more for the community. So. Other than soccer, you know, the reason why I'm a fan is that the, the reason why they give back to the community. And if a, if a team or organization gives back to community in a positive way, you know, I'm for it. I'm your fan. So that's what New Mexico United. And I'm very happy to say that I'm one of the uh, the very first uh, of four to be a part of the Somos Unidos Diversity Fellowship. So that's another reason why I am repping uh, New, Mexico, New Mexico United. So I have the uh, privilege of working with their uh, front office team working with their uh, coaches, but also to, you know, just being a part of all the work that they do within the community other than soccer. So, so again, that's the reason why I'm a fan and that's the reason why I'm, I'm repping them today. So thank you for recognizing. No worries. What I love what you said is that, you know, when major teams, major league teams come and they think about their impact on the community and you think about the robust history and the, the robust heritage of yes. New Mexico, the, the the native indigenous people that have flourished or flourished in New Mexico and across the country. And that recognition of we want to be a part of this, right? We want to make the land acknowledgement that we're that we're not on American soil, that we are on native soil. We want to acknowledge that piece every time that we play. I love that. And I love that the community is a part of that piece and that you're bringing in the children so they can see a a, a part of that rich or be a part of that richness that happens. So I know that they are excited. Congratulations to you on being one of their fellows, uh, one of their fellows. I know that you're doing amazing work. 
I would be remiss, Leroy, if I did not give a shout out to the New Mexico cohort who I spent so much time with, uh, being being out there with my good friend Robert Apodaca, yes. uh, Carlos Contreras, Hakeem, uh, Mayor Heller, Mayor Tim Heller, yep. you know, who's doing amazing things. I can give a shout out to the entire uh, the entire cohort out here who always made sure that we were welcomed when we came to New Mexico. Mm-hmm. We felt like this was our home away from New Orleans. So shout out to them. My man Ryan Mast is out there as well. He is a New Orleans uh, alum, but now working for Mayor Heller. Nice, doing, nice. Doing the amazing work. Ryan is what he is. My brother he and his beautiful wife Nikki just celebrated their second child wow congratulations to them Libra I want to jump into the show and again I'm just so excited because the things that we're going to talk about today are just you know things that we as men think about all the time and it doesn't matter you know what our heritage is these are things that really impact us but I want to ask you first our signature question Leroy Buster Silva what's your revolution what is my revolution? You know, after watching your, your episodes prior to that, that was always in my head because I knew I was going to be on your show. And it's like, I, I need a prep. I need a prep. So what is my revolution? Uh, my revolution goes down to my passion. My revolution is wellness. How does it all connect to the, all the things that we do? How does it connect to, you know, businesses? How does it connect to our own personal wellness? But also to how does our wellness determine what type of dad I'm going to be? Yeah. How does our wellness determine? determine what type of husband we're going to be? How does it determine our passions, our relationships, and our future? So that's where what my revolution is. And also too, if we're not well within ourselves, if we're not healthy, well, how can we, how can we live? How can we provide? How can we protect? How can we, you know, do all these things that we want uh, without our health and our wellness? So, so again, that's, that's my passion. And that's what I work towards with the youth and intergenerational, um, you know, approach to, you know, creating better, better places for people to focus on their health and wellness. So that is my revolution. Man, that is a beautiful revolution, Leroy. And thinking about wellness, I I want you to take us on this journey, right? Because it's not like you you woke up one morning, or, or maybe uh, let me take that back. You you woke up one morning, right, and said, "I, I want to take care of my mental, my mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual wellness." So take us back, right? How did you get to this point, where or that inflection point in your life where you said, "You know what? I really want to take hold of being a better person," right? And and that's what wellness is is is, is finding those creative spaces for us to find the best versions of ourselves so we can actually have the ability to thrive take us back tell us tell us about your journey yeah no great question so taking it back taking it way back you know i grew up on the laguna pueblo reservation here in new mexico if you've been to albuquerque it's 40 miles west of here so i grew up on the res um you know around everything everything became normal um you know we grew up with the rich traditions you know our culture things like that um, but also to a loving family but also do within that, you know, growing up around alcoholism, abuse and various forms um, and uh, realizing, you know, that was the norm, you know, growing up. If you see it every day, if you if you experience it throughout your life, you know, it's kind of normal. Um, so it wasn't until I was able to, um, you know, leave. I went to high school here in Albuquerque. Um, as you know, my my cousin, uh, Casey Duma, who was part of that cohort. Yes, yes. Oh, uh, him and man, I traveled. I'm sorry I forgot Casey. <laughs> him and I travel back and forth from Laguna to uh, Albuquerque every day, you know, back and forth, basketball games, school, things like that. But it wasn't until, you know, I started, um, you know, getting outside of my community and say, hey, you know, um, look at the diversity, look at all these um, t- challenges, but also to the successes. And then I had the opportunity to play basketball at a school in uh, Lawrence, Kansas. So it wasn't until, you know, I, I figured out, um, you know, what does education mean? What is that vehicle? I, my passion was sports. So, you know, all of my attention went through sports because I was really good at it. And obviously everybody who picks up a ball or kicks a ball <laughs> wants to make it to the professional. So that was my goal. I just wanted to play basketball. That was it. But it wasn't until I got to college that I started um, realizing, you know, basketball is a vehicle you know, that's, that's my talent. That's my passion, but also to education, my health, things like that. So I didn't know what I was going to do after college that I only knew that I wanted to help people. I I just, I didn't know what that looked like, but when I graduated in 2005, you know, I had, my background was in wellness and sports. And again, I wanted to create change. So I got into education. I was a teacher and an administrator for 11 years at a school here in Albuquerque called the Native American Community Academy Mm -hmm. and being around youth and being, I was the teacher teaching health and wellness. It's called personal wellness. 
So that's where I really focused on, you know, looking upon me. It's like, what are my responsibilities as a teacher, as an indigenous man? How am I living that life? Because in 2006, too, when I became a teacher, I became a dad at the same time. Wow. I also, um, in 2006, I also got a DWI. So that all of that happened in 2006. So it helped me realize, okay, I'm teaching, but I'm doing this on the side. So I cannot do that. So that's, you know, I, and I talk from the perspective that my S don't stink. So I didn't <laughs> want my youth to, you know, my students to think that, you know, uh, Mr. Silva is, um, you know, teaching us about this. And here we, we hear about him doing this on the side. So that was a big turning point in my life in regard to doing a lot of self-reflection. And how do I want my students to look at me? How do I want the live that I'm teaching? But also too, when I, um, and my son was born in 2006, my oldest son. So what type of father do I want to be? So that's where it started in regard to my cultural values. You know, my mom and my uh, my sisters and my dad always telling me to do the right thing, things like that. So all of that reflection happened in 2006. It took me a while, but I learned. Um, so now, um, you know, I have, I have four kids. So, you know, family wellness, um, everything that I do, I stopped partying around about eight years ago, I stopped using alcohol because again, going back to what I lived through when I was uh, younger, it's seeing, you know, seeing my dad drink, seeing my uncle's party, seeing, you know, everybody, you know, fight and things like that. So that's something I never wanted to, for my kids to see. That's something that I wanted my kids not to be a part of. I wanted to give them my full attention. I wanted to be a cool, active, educated dad where, you know, they could count on me to do certain things. So, you know, um, basically, you know, we try to fill the holes that were left open growing up as, as parents. And that's something that I want to, for them to know is that, you know, I want them to know, yeah, my dad is there. My dad is, you know, this and that. And, you know, we want to be uh, superheroes and things like that. We want our kids <laughs> to look at us. Um, but again, it's just all about reflection. And I never lose sight of that. I never get comfortable with, you know, I I'm breaking down this barrier, but how could I do better? Yeah, I'm breaking yeah. down this um, this cycle, but how can what can I do to um, help not only my family but the community? So I think that's my um, when it came to teaching, it this it it spread from there. Is like how what can I what else can I do for the community to inspire them to take wellness on as a priority? And um, in 2012, I founded this um, social enterprise called Family Indigenized Thrive. It's an intergenerational well, um, intergener intergenerational movement to revitalize the spirit of wellness through active community connections and partnership building. So obviously, my 95 focused on wellness and you know inspired youth and adults and whoever. But I needed to do something out. So that's where my community work comes in. So again, it started from what I grew up with. You know not knowing what I wanted to do, but I knew wanted to help people getting educated and, you know, creating a network that I can count on that I can, um, you know, for resources, for help and things like that, but also to redefining what wellness means to me as a dad, as a husband, as a community member. So all of that, a lot of reflection still goes on in my, in my life. But um, again, I had to go through that. And again, we're changing the game when it comes to wellness. We're changing the game when it comes to being a dad, to being a husband. So what is that? We all have our definitions, but you know, I'm I'm very grateful that I had those um those times where I fell on my face and you right. know get it back up and learning from them. So long sounds story like a quick. revolution to me. Yes. That's what it that that, that <laughs> sounds like a revolution, you know. Yes. Um it it is amazing how the challenges in our life, Leroy, allow us, right, when we're thinking, when we're self-reflective, when we're self-aware. And oftentimes, you know, as I talk about being a developmental psychologist and thinking that, you know, development is not a static thing. Like at yeah. 30, you don't look, everybody's not at the same place. At 40, everybody's not at the same place. Yes. It is a very, very fluid thing, right? It's a very, very fluid thing. And the experiences that you have in life will dictate, right, how you develop. Yes. And if you're really thinking, right, if you're really thinking and you, you really get to that point of self-awareness, that's where you're growing because it's those difficult situations is when the things are uncomfortable, right? And yes. I, I sat at the table with some very, some luminary men last night and none of them said that they grew in, in times of comfort. Yeah. Let me say that again. None of these luminary <laughs> men that I sat at the table with said that they grew in times of comfort. Mm -hmm. One brother actually even said that I, I don't even feel right. It doesn't, my body doesn't even feel right when I sit in comfort. He's like, I've got to move into some, some phase of discomfort so I can grow. That's what it sounds like is that you were self-aware enough to say, you know, I've had these challenges. I got a DUI. I want to be there for my kids, yeah. right? I want to be an active dad. And we'll talk about this for a second. 
But I want you to jump into this and tell me, talking about wellness, but how do you practice that every day? Because my revolutionaries are listening like, Charles, you keep talking about wellness, but I don't know what wellness has looked like. I don't know what Leroy's wellness looks like. Like, Break that down for us. What does your wellness look like every day? Yeah. What I like to say, everybody has their definition of wellness. I think uh, sometimes we become dependent on those motivators on Facebook, on motivators on YouTube. But what does it mean to you? And know that you know we can redefine that for ourselves. So I just want to start out with that. So when I get up in the morning, um, I told you I have a four-month baby girl. Mm. So waking up to her, waking up to my wife, and being grateful for that. That's how I start my day. Gratitude. I th- yes, gratitude. And I think, um, you know, this is something that I challenge, um, and I'm sure others can attest to that, that, you know, I, I do not try not to go for my phone right away and check emails. I, how, I do my routine, I get up, and then I focus, you know, how do I want to, how do I want the day to go? And that's my first thought. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to wellness, it's tapping into your emotional state and planning for your day. You know, what type of, uh, what do I have on my plate? How am I going to approach it? How am I going to approach the challenges that come, come to me? You know, regardless of it's a traffic or whether it's, uh, you know, some, some news you don't want to hear on through an email, things like that. So I feel that, you know, wellness is taking care of yourself, whether it's uh, your, your mind, definitely your body, but also to your taking care of your connections and saying, yes, I had a bad day yesterday, but today is going to be awesome. Or, you know, maybe it's a rough start. Maybe uh, you, you know, something happened with you getting up or, you know, you're just, um, you're, you're dwelling on yesterday's um, bad day. But uh, wellness means for me, again, it's just that mind, body and connections. If I, if I realize, you know, what I'm doing at the moment that, you know, um, I'm, I'm, you know, thinking about positive vibes for everybody, I'm sending it out. And I reflect that on my social media posts as well, is that when you're sending positive vibes out to the community, out to the universe, that things are going to come your way. And it's all about that positive thinking. Um, granted too, that um, we say, you know, fight through it. If you're having a bad day, fight through it. But, you know, I always told our students, my students, is to acknowledge it. Acknowledge that that grief that you're feeling. Acknowledge that anger that you're feeling. Acknowledge it and say, what are you going to do now? You know, what are what moves are you going to make in order to make your day mm. a little bit better? So I feel that you know, no matter what, uh, how people wake up during the day or throughout the day, is making sure that people take care of themselves. That self care, self care means getting inside your heart, getting inside your mind, and having that time to you know. It's, and I always say. Be, be selfish a little bit, whether it's that a minute or maybe that's two minutes. It's okay to be, you know, take that time for yourself. And I feel that that's what wellness means to me is being mindful of how you feel mentally, but where, and also your heart and also to knowing it's okay, stepping away from my three kids in the house and my wife to take a deep breath and to get back on my thoughts. If I'm feeling stressed, yes, that's, that's, that's me. That's what wellness means to me is being mindful of everything that's going on within your body, your mind, and your heart. Right. You know, brother, you've said some wonderful things that I want to I, I want to illuminate to our revolutionaries thinking about. Right. And I, I'll talk about my failures as I talk about these 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 opportunities that you've given us. You know, I, I think about some of the mornings of this week. Today's Thursday. It, it hasn't been the best week. Um, and thinking about what can I be grateful for as I wake up? Instead of thinking about the deficiencies that are in my life when I wake up in the morning, it's thinking about what am I what am I grateful for? And so one of the things that I and I'm gonna express this to you right now, one of the things that I'm grateful for is that ten months ago I came home to help take care of my mother and father. And so very rarely, very rarely do I acknowledge the gratitude that I have for being able to spend this time with them because it it it, it can be stressful. But at 50, the ability to see my father smile, the ability to shave him and take care of him because he's 92 and immobile uh, some days, right, to, you know, to laugh and, and, and joke with him. There's a level of gratitude or one of, the greatest, the, one of the greatest things, right, for me is to see my mother smile, right? And so, you know, both my mother, you know, both of us, are, our love language is, is physical touch, right? And so I will run up and tickle my mother, Right. And to see that big, huge smile. Right. Or, or that look that she gives me when she knows like, oh, are you are you coming to play? You coming to right? My mother's 80 she, and she's she gets that look like, oh, but she loves it. And so I need to give more gratitude 
right? I need to give more gratitude to those experiences that I have with them. So thank you for that reminder. What I also heard from you is the ability to say, okay, where, where do I want my day to go? At the end of the day, what do I want to say? That I was able to impact people, that I was able to spend time with quality people, right? And and I'm, I'm very grateful because I was able to spend the latter part before the show with some great people here at Gather. Um, you know, some of the friends that I get to laugh and as you say, I laugh and kiki with them, right? <laughs> you know, spending time in their office, you know, talking about a variety of things, laughter, joking. That was a great part of my day, being grateful for that. But that's that's how my day goes. And one thing about being here is that the interactions that you get to have with a number of people in this co-working space, a number of diverse people who have diverse lives, and that is a wonderful thing. So thinking about, well, who do I want to interact with today? Mm -hmm. How do I want to have these conversations with them? Being free-flowing sometimes, because you don't know, the question of the day is, well, Charles, do you want to have kids? And it's a question that I wrestle with. And so it was interesting how we move through that conversation and sending positive vibes out to the world. We can actually get caught up because the mind will go quickly to the negative. Yes. We actually have to rewrite those negative thoughts and say, you know what? All right, I'm going to feel this negative thought, but let's move to this positive thing. Let's actually, maybe what I'm hearing is that we're going to move back to gratitude, right? Yes, I got a little pain in my body, but you know what? I still got up and swam a thousand meters today. There's a little mm-hmm. pain, but be grateful for that. Yeah. It's not those potters of eyes as, you know, my people say, well, I couldn't get it in. Well, I'm trying to push it out there. That that's your revolution, mm-hmm. right? And that last thing is self-care. And fortunately for me, Leroy, you know what my self-care is? Sleep. This right here. <laughs> no, that, yeah, that, yeah. That's the same thing with me, especially this past couple of um, past year that we have. I have a... Um, a live stream show as well. So that's where I get my medicine. That's where I get my, yeah, I get to still connect with folks, even though, you know, we can't, uh, we can't gather in the masses right now. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. this ability to have conversation, long form conversation with people that I respect and admire that are doing amazing things in the world that are being revolutionary, as we say, this is my panacea. It has kept me through. I remember sitting in, in my apartment in New Orleans last year, and doing podcast after podcast after podcast because that's all I could do. I couldn't go out. So my form of self-care was to talk to people like you to hear their stories and then put them out into the world. Yes. This, this is the self-care. This is the self-care. So let's move back. You know, we talked about this. You know, we talked about wellness, the mental and emotional. You being a basketball star, you know, you know I used to think I... I I could light it up myself back in the day. You know, I used to think I was, you know, I was Steph Curry before Steph Curry was. You know how Steph likes to shoot and turn around. Yep. You know, as, that's how I used to ball, right? <laughs> I used to, if I was hot, I could shoot, turn around. My boy Quince would be like, yo, you were feeling it today. Some days, yes. Some days I couldn't hit the backside of a barn. You know how it is. Oh, yes. Uh, but love to ball. But the thing about this, as we get older, and I don't know how, if you want to tell our revolutionists how old you are, um, right? And and like, you're, you're a dad, right? You, mm-hmm. You're a dad. And I remember as I grew up, you know, my father was older. My father was 42 when I was born. So that by the time that I was really, really active, he was in his 50s and early 60s. Um, what does that mean for you to be an active dad for your children, right? To be able to yes. get out and kick the soccer ball, You know, and what are you doing to make sure that you stay an active dad? (laughs) Yes, all good questions. So I am 40 years old. I turned 40 on February. You're a baby. You're a young man. Yeah. Yeah. So I am bracing it. I asked my wife, yeah, you don't look 40. Yes, that's what I like to hear, baby. So (laughs) what does active dad? So an active dad, definitely, it's on different levels. It's uh, definitely changed, um, changed the game as far as, you know, active dad being it's not just about me anymore. You know, I can't spend two hours at the gym anymore. I can't, you know, travel off to a basketball tournament and leave my family behind because, you know, that's that I did. I've been there, done that. And I feel that, you know, being a dad has really put me on a different level because I am inspiring. I am, my kids see what I do. And I'm a big believer in the saying that our kids will do what they see and say what they hear. So I want them to, I want them to be active. I want them to see me 
uh, moving and having fun. I want them to see me interacting in a positive way with other people. I want them to see me interacting with my wife in a positive way. So everything that I do, again, just focusing on wellness and being active. And that's what I mean by, by being an active dad. So active doesn't necessarily mean just moving, you know, running, running with my stroller or riding a bike. <laughs> It also means, you know, playing an active role in their emotional awareness. You know, it's okay to cry. It's okay to be angry, but why are you, why are you angry? You know, explaining their feelings, because that's something my wife and I have been um, striving for. Again, going back to breaking cycles, you know, it's quick to go to anger. It's quick. And that's what I grew up with is that, you know, um, you know, uh, getting spanked and, you know, not really talking through it. This is the yeah, reason why I'm feeling this way. So again, change, going back to changing the game is that part of being an active dad for me is making sure that my kids are well in all aspects of wellness. Um, and uh, when it goes to the physical part for me, it's, you know, being a protector for my family, being um, able to, you know, um, one of my dreams is to play in a basketball tournament with my oldest, with my kids, run a marathon with my kids as they get older. You know, that's something that I look forward to. And that's something that makes me happy. Um, but, um, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, I want to be there for them for the long haul. I want them to, you know, have fun and experience, um, you know, traveling and all of these things. I do not work out anymore to build muscle. I do not work. I don't take supplements anymore, things like that. So I just do it to make sure that I'm maintaining my health and, but also to making sure that they, they see what I'm doing and they incorporate it in their lives as well. So again, going back to the, being an active dad, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm, you know, I'm moving and grooving. Yes, but I have fun dancing. I have fun laughing. <laughs> building these positive relationships. When we go out into the community, you know, saying hi to everybody, things like that, um, yes. you know, they transfer. And I see it in my kids. And I didn't realize that until, you know, I became a father is that damn, that really does. They really, you know, yes. do say and yes. feel what we, what we put out there. So, you know, for me, that's been an active dad. And it's, I feel that it's my responsibility to take care of myself, to be a, the best dad that I can, to be the best husband I can. And the way I do that is I had need to maintain my, wellness. I need to right. be healthy. Exactly. Exactly. One thing that I heard, Libra, that I want to I make sure and, and, and that we unpack is that the, the emotional wellness piece is a, a part of this active, this active coalition, this, this, this active equation is what I'm looking at, looking, the word that I'm looking for. You know, thinking about teaching your kids and, and, and teaching your, your sons, all right. Uh, how many sons do you have, Leroy? Uh, two. Two, two sons, so two girls. Wonderful. Oh, so you, you, you're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You are good. good. <laughs> thinking about masculinity and, and, and thinking about what it means in, in, in our various communities. And like you said, like, like it's okay to cry. And I, re I remember growing up, you know, an instant where I got a hit. I was probably like 10 or 11. I got hit in the eye with a ball. And I remember running to my father, like crying. And we were playing baseball. So all of my friends were, all of my friends were out in the front yard. And I remember running to my dad crying. And then in the midst of crying, I was like, wait, wait, hold on. All of my friends out here, like, let me, let, let me stop crying, right? And so in that moment... In that moment, I stopped, like, I literally stopped crying, was like, oh, I'm never going to do this again, mm -hmm. you know? And what you're saying is that you're actually modeling for your children that it's okay to have emotion. Yes. That is, that is, that is okay. It, that is okay to be angry, but why you're angry and how you moving through that anger. Mm -hmm. Because too often that we've seen in our society, when people can't move through anger, there are horrible consequences to that. We've seen that happen all across our country. And I'm sure as, as you think about our communities, as we're dealing with alcoholism, as we're dealing with gun violence, as we're dealing with uh, the, the, the mass mental health issues that are happening in, across our communities is that we haven't had the tools to deal with anger. Mm -hmm. Being an active dad is what you're saying is that I'm going to model. I'm going to model behaviors that allow my children to cope well, when things don't go their way, that it's okay to cry, that it's okay to be emotional, that it's okay to be angry, but I want you to feel that all the way through and then move on. If you remember back, being grateful for that anger, being grateful for the experience and say, how do I bring some positive notion to this? That is a very, very interesting thing, 
Very, very interesting thing, Leroy, to think about being an active dad is not just being running with your kids or riding a bike or kayaking with your kids. Being an active dad means that I am there every day. And my parents, I must say, I give a shout out to Charles and Bertha. They were very, very active parents, <laughs> almost yes. to a fault. <laughs> almost, I, there's some stories I could tell you, Leroy, about the type of child I was and how active my parents, my active yes. my parents were. But I am grateful for the man that I am at this point in my life. Uh, their influence of being active parents, Leroy. I want to switch the conversation for one second, and you know, it, it is a critical topic for me. Uh, and I'm hoping that it is a critical topic for my revolutionaries as they think about being equitable in their lives, being able to show up for every person that they meet. Mm-hmm. We know the we know the the wonderful, right, the amazing history of our indigenous populations here in our country. But we also know, right, within that history, the history of colonization and what it has done to our indigenous populations across the country yes. and how, how land has been taken, how resources have been taken away for thousands right, of years. And we think about hundreds of years of colonization, but thousands of years and watching land and resources and communities be stymied by, by that fact. I want to think I want to thank my team at Camelback Ventures because we have spent this year really thinking about how do we make sure that we can be an accomplice an ally to our indigenous brothers and sisters across the country. And so you and I met and I was I wanted in that conversation is like, how can we how can I and how can my revolutionaries stand up? Stand up and when we need to stand behind, stand in front, stand on the side, whatever we need to do so that we can be an ally and accomplice to our brothers and sisters. How do we do that? Yeah. And, um, you know, that's a that's a big question. And I get asked that all the time in, you know, various spaces. And uh, what it comes down to the very the very um, where I start at is uh, reflect reflection. He's like, what do you in regard to? do I know any indigenous folks? Do I know any indigenous communities around my community? Um, and I think that's where to start. And what do I know? And even if it's, um, even if it's misinformation or what have you, because there's a lot of misinformation with indigenous people, you know, through multimedia, through movies, through, you know, books and, you know, erased history, things like that. But also to um, non-credible people who can say that, yeah, I met an indigenous person and they were very nice. So that, you know, in turn, you know, puts a bad vibe on, you know, indigenous people or any, you know, person of color that's, uh, you know, it's just based off of that person's uh, experience with them. So I think, you know, just acknowledging what you know and what you don't know, I think that's a start. Um, I think that's definitely a start. And at being able to ask those those hard questions and know and take exactly and just how you're feeling, how are you feeling about this? But also to what do you know and sit okay with it and, and saying that I do not know. And this is where I'm coming from with this. And because um, I had um, I've had allies, I've had friends and, um, you know, relatives across the country, uh, non-indigenous indigenous people come to me and say, say, Buster, I, you know, I, you know, this may be a stupid question, but I just don't know. You know, they acknowledge, but they don't know. And they ask me. So we have that conversation that needs to happen a lot more. Um, again, people just go off of, you know, I'm going to watch a YouTube video. I'm going to watch um, oh. this and that. So being, and that's where the research comes in. That's where being asking yourself, do I know indigenous, any indigenous people around my community? Um, but also to doing your homework in regard to you, what is the history? You know, and, and I, I think, you know, we can all dip into everybody's history in regard to what has happened. What do we believe in? And understanding that in the United States, there are over 574 uh, federally recognized tribes with their own language, with their own protocols, yes. uh, uh, ceremonies, things like that, and not bunching us all together like the movies had done for, for years and years and years and acknowledging that we all have our different um, differences um, so there's 23 tribes here in uh, New Mexico and we're all different. <laughs> so acknowledging that and understanding the dynamics and complexities of that, but being mindful that, so, you know, when you do approach this, that, yeah, you're, you're coming with your full heart. You're coming with your, I want to know this because again, not just for my knowledge, but your knowledge, how are you going to share with your community as well? Um, but also to go into the space with, you know, to empower 
to empower each other because the the history and the knowledge that you're going to receive from you know everybody you know any BIPOC um, you know uh, space that you go in is that I'm going to learn from the Black community or the Asian community yeah. or the um, you know anybody because I'm going to share that information and I feel that that's the power of you know working together of collaboration is that we are going to take down these. Um, you know, these, um, you know, these broken systems in regard, especially with history that we can pass along. And I'm, we teach my wife and I, we are very adamant. She grew up in the Bay area. So, you know, diversity, um, uh, forever. So we're really mindful of, you know, when our kids ask you the differences of people and say, yeah, it, you may be different, but you know, we empower them by, you know, this is what you have in common. This is why you need to know this history about, you know, not just indigenous people. So, um, so other than that, I feel that um, invite and highlight. So invite that's an, and highlight. invite and highlight. So if you know of an indigenous organization or an indigenous person um, that that can help you through this, uh, through the process or help you with a project and things like that, you know, all it is takes is an um, invitation and to highlight those, again, that history that you learn those um those opportunities to collaborate things like that because i feel through you know a, a diverse lens that we can accomplish more for the community um and then uh even if you know for me working with, within an indigenous um, organization at the mb3 foundation you know for why is it important to for non-indigenous people non-indigenous organizations to be a part of what we're doing so collaborating with them because again i love it i think there's definitely been a transformation in regard to the, the, uh, you know, social, uh, social norm in regard to what you hear on the TV. Right. I love it. Whatever TV I see, I don't watch TV a lot, but when I do, uh, hear, uh, watch it on YouTube, I hear for the first time in my life, more people acknowledging indigenous people, acknowledging yes. tribal communities. That, yes. that is huge because the not being vi um, visible in our own land is it's that's, you know, breathtaking. That's, you know, um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's a there's been a shift. There's been a shift and it's very, you know, we we have the first uh, cabinet secretary, uh, Deb yes, Holland Jeff. from Laguna Pueblo, who's right. Exactly. You know, that's that's a first and that's huge for that's us. That's amazing. That's that huge is amazing. for indigenous people. So, it, you know, that starts that revolution of yet yeah, when my daughter sees that person is that exactly. she looks like me or she represents the same tribe that I'm from, you know, that inspires people. So that's what we need more of. But in regard to that, how can we help indigenous people? How can I help the black community is for me to understand, for me to teach black history to, to my kids. And one of the, I want to share, uh, going back to our uh, Kellogg fellowship is uh, in Jackson, Mississippi, I got so emotional when I walked into the civil rights museum yeah. because I learned about it growing up, but it's only like four pages. That's it. And I, I was thirsty for that information. I was thirsty for that knowledge. But when I got there, Bro, it was emotional. Yeah. And um, I had, there was some, some parts of the museum that it was hard to read. It was hard mm -hmm. to know that history. And that's being an indigenous man and knowing how that, how I felt. It, it wasn't, I would say it's my history because it happened on the land. The land, exactly. exactly. And why is it beneficial? Why am I standing here emotional? How am I going to use these emotions, this mm -hmm. information that I learned? How, I, how am I going to take it home? So, you know, so that's where, you know, that's where that understanding comes in. That's where that uh, intentional understanding invite and highlight and comes in and for highlight. us to better understand each other. And that's where we, that's what that's the foundation of where we need to stand. And then we could build a platform for that and jump off and help each other. So that's um, that's where that's where I want to leave that as is, uh, again, just um, understanding, inviting, highlight and making your history, my history. Yeah, I, I thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I think that the the reflection on that is that we it goes back to the, the my opening comments as we think about inviting people to the table mm -hmm. and making sure that the, our, our tables, making sure that our tables are not always the same table and that we're sitting on land, that we're sitting on land, that we're breaking bread on land, that we're doing things on land that was not ours, right? Uh, what I love is that, do you know the history of the people that came before you on the land that you live on? Let me say, let me say that again, revolutionaries. Do you know the history of the people of the land that you live on, that you play on, that you go to school on? 
having an understanding of that history will make you a better preserver of that land, a better person. Understanding and the ability to invite and reflect too often as we know about prejudice and bigotry and racism, it stems from an ignorance. It stems from an ignorance and an obligation to say that I'm going to stay ignorant, that I don't care. But that acknowledgement, what happens is that when you do this work, when you find out the history, how could you rob the rich history of our of our nation? It was interesting. And I have to, I have to say this, Buster, is that, you know. A man, a man that used to hold office. I won't even, I won't even say his name on my show, and it's not the, it's not the man that you think. But he made this comment that indigenous people didn't have much of an influence on American culture, mm. right? And I won't even, I, I will not even say his name. But excuse me, that jackass, uh, right? Ha, he, he, he must be, right? blind deaf and dumb if he doesn't understand the impact of indigenous people on this country Mm -hmm. i just i just couldn't under i just couldn't understand that right and i'm not a big fan of cancel culture i'm a big fan of educational culture Mm -hmm. when we educate people by yeah. canceling them out, all it does is create and create anger, and they go sit in their camps. Yeah. Excuse me, revolution. As you can tell, the inflection of my voice, I'm getting a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm on my. I'm I'm in the pulpit for a second. Yeah. Right. Forgive me, but what happens with cancel culture is that people get to go camp out with their folks and say, "Guess what? I got canceled." Right. And then, then the, the then the trumpets start to sound. The bullhorns are, "Oh, this cancel culture." You're right. No. When you educate people, right? When you bring them, right? When you don't cancel them out, but you say, "You know what? I'm going to educate you." Yes. I'm going to give you an opportunity to learn why why your statements, right, right, are harmful. Mm-hmm. They are treacherous to our to our American way, right? Yeah. If we think about this, right? If we want to create a, an equitable, inclusive, and diverse, right? And we want to define that as the American way, let's educate ourselves instead of canceling each other out. Yes. So think about this in my work with men, right? Pushing men, canceling men, right, doesn't work. We have to educate them. We have to educate us about what the how how do we protect and yeah. uplift women. How do yes. we think about that? How do we, how do we how do men actually think about every other culture, right? That we have harmed, we have to be educated. And the same thing comes with our indigenous brothers and sisters when we talk, right, about what our indigenous brothers and sisters haven't done. We need to be educated. <laughs> you know, we need to. Yeah. So, excuse me, revolutionaries. Let me get off my pulpit for a second. But you know, I want to say this, Buster, is that. I'm just tremendously grateful for the time, um, you know, that you have given me today and for the opportunity to hear your story. Right. We're at the end of the day, we are two men who are trying to make change in the world, trying to uplift our communities, trying to be better men every day, better people, better individuals. Right. To love, to be loved. Yes. Right. To show people how to do what I just said, to love and to be loved. Mm hmm. That is a very interesting thing at 40 and 50, right? You know, <laughs> yes, it is. With even, even with the bears that we face, we still, at the end of the day, and I might get a little emotional, at the end of the day, that's all we want, right? We want to be well. Yes. We want to be loved. We want to be in community, right? We want to find something that we're good at, that we're passionate about, that we can, that we can then sing out to the world, this is what I am and this is who I am. Mm-hmm. And so I am tremendously grateful for you and the work that you're doing. I would be remiss if I didn't ask this question. Please tell us about your work at the Notable Gay Foundation and the impact that you're having in your community. Yeah. So I've been at the MB3 Foundation since 2017, and uh, we're a nonprofit organization. Our founder, he's a living founder. He used to be a professional golfer. He's Navajo and uh, San Felipe Pueblo. And our mission is to ensure uh, Native children achieve their full potential by advancing cultures and Native American community health. The way we do that, we do grant making, we do indigenous evaluation and research and uh, direct service programming. So I am the community coordinator and I love 
working with community. I love working with uh, learning um, new tricks from various community <laughs> champions, but also too, I, I want to acknowledge my community work that I do across the nation with my uh, with my social enterprise, Family Indigenized Thrive, and it's all, con all connected. Intergenerational wellness to create change, to trade, to, uh, you know, break down those barriers in regard to those cycles that, um, that plague our communities and our families, uh, um, throughout the years. So that is, that is my passion, but I definitely, you know, love and represent my family. I am a husband. I am a father. I am the son of, you know, strong parents and I am Goikame. So Goikame is, uh, I am a Laguna person. And, uh, so I just want to send out to you, we, we say, uh, whoever's listening, that means may the power be with you. We say that to our gentlemen and if any ladies um, are um, listening in, uh, that means the same thing. Go well. Basta. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. And if there's anything that we can do here at What's the Revolution to support the work that you are doing, please let us know. And revolutionaries, make sure, how can my people find you if they want to learn more about your work? How can they find you? Busta. MB3 Foundation, www.mb3foundation.org or familyindigenizedthrive.org. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just pop it in there. We'll pop up too. So thank you for your time. Revolutionaries, you've heard, you know, uh, again, I am fortunate to be able to bring some of the dopest men who are doing the dopest stuff in dopest, dopest stuff in this country. And I want to give a shout out. Uh, ironically, as we were talking, our good friend Natalie Burke called. <laughs> so I will make sure that I give her a call back. Natalie, I love you. Yes. For all that you do in the world. She is a champion of equity. She is mm. a champion in life and she is a champion of a woman. So thank you for all that you do to make us better people. Revolutionaries, I said, as, as I say always, I hope that you are well. I hope that you are taking care of yourself. I hope that as the world is opening up, you are finding your tribe, you are finding your people, you are finding your voice, you are finding your passions. Go out, go forth in the world. Make sure that your revolutions are heard. And if you can't answer that question, we are here for you to help you find and answer what we think is the most thought-provoking question of your life. Have a wonderful week. I love you. I love you. I love you. Take care, everyone. Peace, 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 peace.